and welcome back to Kidman Talk. This is Kidman Talk number 126. And if you're watching this on video and not on iTunes, you'll see that I am joined by my good pal, Stanley Mears. We did a podcast a couple years ago, podcast number 96, or not even just a couple, I don't know how long ago it was. Anyway, we did one on gaining, training, and retaining volunteers. And this is a follow-up to that one because we got an email from a listener called Hannah and she says hey Carl I've been scouring the web for advice and information in our in my new children's ministry role and I recently took a position in a growing church the disorganization and lack of vision has caused the ministry to go downhill I've got a ton of kids but very few lim- limited volunteers I listened to episode 96 on how to gain train and retain volunteers and I'm so inspired I love the ideas you shared, but my question is, how do I fill the holes that I have now in my children's ministry in the interim? She knows where she wants to go, but she's got to deal with now. I'm currently feeling like I'm running myself ragged trying to fill the spaces. So, we're going to talk about that here on Kidman Talk. Are you with me? Yes. Here we go. All right. Well, hey, what Hannah shares is something that we can all relate to. And by the way, I want to mention this podcast is sponsored by Protect My Ministry. Anytime we talk about volunteers, it should go without saying, although it doesn't, that every volunteer should be background checked. We should never be so desperate that we just throw anyone in the room because the most precious commodity we have are these kids uh, that we are ministering to. So please never shortcut and with Protect My Ministry, if you're a Kidology All Access member, I don't even know if you know this, Stanley, you get a discount on background checks through Protect My Ministry. So go to kidology.org forward slash protect my ministry and read about uh, all the background checks that they do, how affordable it is, and they even help you keep them up to date. Uh, we check in every couple of weeks. There's a panel where it'll tell us who's kind of up for renewal because just because you background checked them eight years ago, doesn't mean that that background check is still valid. So protect yourself, protect the kids, protect your church from a lawsuit, and make sure that you are doing a good job with those background checks. So we thank uh, Protect My Ministry for their support of Kidology as a nonprofit ministry who exists to equip and encourage volunteers. So today, our uh, mission with Stanley is to encourage and equip Hannah. And uh, I'm not mentioning her last name because I think Hannah represents many volunteers who uh, they understand the ideal, but how do you get to that ideal? And Stanley's a, a seasoned children's pastor. He's a mentor and a friend of mine where iron sharpens iron. I always learn from Stanley as much as, as he claims to have learned from Kidology. And uh, so it's a, it's a mutual uh, relationship. So thank you, Stanley, for uh, joining me here today. Thank you, sir. Cool. What's the latest new thing you're working on on your in your ministry that may not relate to this? I just I know you're always up to something cool. Um, the thing we've just got done doing is um, our new theme this year is connect. So not only how do you connect to God and to each other, but how do you connect to kids? So that's our theme throughout the whole year. So we just did a training on being spectacular. <laughs> you can be Mr. Potato Heads. I love that. We all have to work together in different pieces and parts to form the whole of the children's ministry team to reach more kids for Christ. And that does tie in because that's part of that retaining. 
you've got them, but you got to keep them. And I love how you make teacher training fun. I saw that picture of you with that Spud t-shirt on, on Facebook. And I was like, all right, I want him to send me everything because I want to do that with, with my volunteers. This is what you need, Carl. You need a potato chip bar. I like it. So you get several different flavors of potato chips, about 20 different dips. They mix and match the flavors, put all together, and they, they ate it up. Seriously, they oh, were They good. literally ate it up. They did. Well, that's a great idea. Well, maybe I'll get you to write that up and put that on Kidology, and then I'll link it in the show notes later. But we kind of we, – we actually brainstormed last week. We got together on the phone, um, Stanley and I, and we talked about this. And if you haven't listened to the Podcast 96, I'd encourage you to do so. Um, we really laid out – uh, strategies for gaining volunteers, for getting them trained, and then for retaining them. And we don't want to be repetitive. So today we're going to focus on really Hannah's question of, okay, that's all great, and that all sounds wonderful, but I'm not there yet. Like I, I'm like the, I'm in crisis right now, and um, and so some of that ideal stuff seems a little out of reach. And we've all been there, and I know there's people listening who are there. So we, I like alliteration, so I, I started just writing down ideas and thoughts and just kind of structure them into uh, a series of words that all start with the letter P. And uh, Stanley, you could probably guess which one comes first. Prayer. Prayer. It all starts with prayer. And you know, it sounds obvious to say that, um, and yet I know in my own life and ministry, sometimes I've skipped that step. Um, like I don't have time to pray, right? <laughs> I, I, I got to get some emails out or I got to make a flyer or whatever. Um, but it really does start with prayer. And we need to ask ourselves, you know, does our prayer reflect our urgency? Does our prayer for volunteers reflect, you know, our seriousness? And we have to start with that. You know, in Matthew 9, Jesus, um, it talks about Jesus approached Jerusalem and he saw the people and his heart broke. And then in verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. And we know this verse, right? But the workers are few. Do I hear an amen? Do I amen. Hear, amen. The workers are few. But then he gives the answer. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So we won't to belabor this point, but we have to start there to say, you may need to shut the computer you may need to put some things on pause and just get on your knees in your office and just pray and just pour out your heart to God because um, you can't love those kids any more than, than he can. And sometimes no. when we're stressing out, we're kind of insulting God because we're saying that, like, I have to solve this problem. And there's, a, in a sense, which we do, it's our job, but God isn't stressed out. Right, he's not up there wringing his hands, or whatever. What What would be your thoughts on the topic of just praying uh, for the ministry? Um, my thought on praying for the ministry in and of itself is to know and have a clear vision on what your goal needs to be. And the goal of any ministry, first of all, needs to be is to know God and make God known. Amen. And so, the more time you spend with them, the more time other people are going to see that in you, and you're going to act like Him in the way you treat others. And so you and become contagious. Yeah. People want yes. to be a part of what, you know, if we go around like like firemen, you know, the, the ship's sinking, the building's burning, will you join me? Um, th 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 yeah, th that's right. We'll just kind of stand back, apers lag, and we'll just watch. Uh -huh. But when we have that peace that comes through praying, and it even affects the way we talk. You know, when, when even a, a staff or a volunteer leader comes to us and they're stressed out and they're communicating, hey, man, twos is growing, we need more workers than our two-year-olds. 
you know, even just a reply with, let's pray about that. And I'm so curious who God's going to provide. Um, I love where Philippians says, you know, with prayer and petition, you know, cast all your anxiety upon him, right? But it says, do not be anxious about anything, but with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So even as we ask for volunteers, we need to thank him for the volunteers <laughs> he's going to provide, even while we have no clue uh, who they are. All right, what, what's the next one in our outline there? I'll let you start off the next one. Oh, perfect. It's uh, just like you talked about before from Protect My Ministries. We need to protect, and not only the ministry, but ourselves. It's yeah. easy to jump in and see everything needs to be done, like a triage unit, and want to fix it ourselves, and because nobody can do it better than we can. We have all the ideas, and we're burning ourselves out. Yeah. We need to, we need to realize what can we do, but what can we hand off to somebody else and pour in and to make a disciple of somebody else that they can do it just as well, if not better than we can. And then there's two of us instead of just us by ourselves. So we learn to protect ourselves. Absolutely. You know, Jesus did say he came to make our joy complete, not to completely stress us out. And there's a bit of, um, of a godly selfishness of saying, I, I am not going to kill myself for this church. I remember my first ministry, my wife and I, and we were, we didn't do anything wrong, but we were so zealous and excited to be in ministry. We did. We killed ourselves. And when we left that ministry, you know, we kind of looked back and nothing was bad, but we said, you know, really, that wasn't healthy, you know, and um, we tried to pull off more than what God was asking you to do. And sometimes you've got to refuse to run anything that, that's not staffed. And those can be tough calls. And some people go, well, my job will be on the line. You know, there may be times where you have to, um, if not resign, go to a leadership and say, I'm not going to do this. This isn't healthy for me. It's not healthy for the kids. And they don't want you to leave. Sometimes, you know, we could call the bluff a little bit. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we may take a risk of, of losing a job, but I don't want to be in a job that's unhealthy. I would rather be released or leave a ministry if I don't have the support there, if I'm not able to do my job um, with healthiness. So we, we've got to be willing um, to kind of draw those hard lines and protect ourselves. There's a little bit softer way of doing that as well. One is to actually keep a number database and a budget and show what part of that ministry is not working and then convince your senior pastor that. Then slowly let it die on its own accord. Don't pour as much energy into it the next year. Yeah. And then the next year it'll dwindle even more and say, hey, the numbers aren't there. It wasn't doing anything anyway. And then pour your time and energy that does matter. Yeah. And therefore, it gives you more of credibility and whatever else rather than just cutting cold turkey and people upset. Yeah, it's a great it's a great uh, perspective there um, of where you choose to put your energy. You might be trying to save a dead horse, you know, and it's time mm -hmm. to bury it or a sacred cow, I guess we would say in ministry. I know in one ministry I needed more help and I didn't have an admin. And I went to my boss and I asked for an admin and and his answer was, Carl, I can't give you an admin because there's five pastors and we can't afford to give you an admin and not the other four pastors. You know, with today's technology, with email and laptops and mobile devices, you know, I really can't justify the old secretary. So I had to understand where he was coming from and go back and pray about it and realize, okay, he wants to be fair. Fair is his perspective as a lead pastor. So I just put together a chart of every staff, how many volunteers they oversaw, how many hours of programming they oversaw, how many weeks out of the year that they had programming, which of course kids is all 52, youth didn't right. have all 52, worship didn't, 
And I went back, and not in a defensive manner, but just in an educational manner, I presented that to him. And he said, Carl, this I had no idea. I had never looked at it that way. I'm not being fair to you. And he got it. And he says, you can't tell anyone you made this chart because the staff need to believe that I made this chart. And he says, I'm going to go to the other staff and I'm going to explain why I'm giving you an admin and not them because I need to be fair because right now it's not fair. So it was a matter of flipping the perspective um, to help him understand. And so we've got to we've got to be willing to do that. All right, let's move to the next one. The next one is, um, you know, I was. I was looking for a P word process. We need to process what is our need. We need volunteers. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. But what are your real needs? Uh, I like to say the ideal is not always ideal. Um, you know, we may have this idea that we need a class for every age, every grade, every service, and that may not actually be what we need. It may be that if you're struggling with a first service because there's not a lot of kids, that you don't offer children's ministry during the first service. You know, maybe yeah. those families will just shift to the second service when you're well-staffed. So we've got to identify what are the real needs. What, what would you say to that perspective? I think that's right. Um, something that's happened to me is that um, we had uh, two uh, kindergarten classes. And they were we split them about even. We had teachers in there. And it's happening right now. One's weaker than the other. And everybody knows the teacher's weak. She knows she's weak. We've tried to put other people in with her. It's not necessarily helping. And all the kids but two are going to the other class next door. So I'm saying, hey, hardly anybody's coming to class. You've got a stressful life going on. What happens if we combine the classes to one class and you help supervise in that classroom and help fill in when the teacher's gone, that sort of thing, and be more of a team approach? And then it defuse a stress situation. Is it what we wanted we had planned on our skill? Two kindergarten classes? No. But in the long run for the situation we're in, it helps with the situation of a, a weak teacher that needs more training that doesn't have time to get it. And and if you get to that point where you grow and need to add that second class, uh, instead of removing a teacher who maybe is not in the best spot, you now have a new opening and you've already got her in a team role somewhere else. So it helps in that sense too. A lot of it's asking really honestly, what do we need to provide? Um, I remember when I was in a church plant, and I'm sure some of you watching are in church plant situations, we could not get our nursery staffed. It was just hard. And for a lot of the normal reasons, moms come to church, they want a break. They don't want to serve a nursery. They want, like, get rid of that crying kid for an hour and just enjoy worship and, and fellowship. And, and so we understood that. And I was pulling my teeth. Now, I, I was a man, which puts me at a disadvantage recruiting women for nursery. I also was not a parent at the time. So there was a disconnect between me understanding their world and trying to communicate a need. And so I went to my team and I said, you know what? I can't find nursery anywhere in the Bible. Um, I don't think that we need a nursery. And I said, um, you know, what I did find in the Bible is the value of mothers and loving mothers, you know. And so I said, let's create a mom's room. And we were in a church plant. We were using a school. So we took uh, a room that was carpeted. It was a teacher's lounge. We put cribs in there. We stocked it with all the supplies that a mom could possibly need. We pumped in the service that they could listen to and said, basically, we're going to create a safe, comfortable environment for moms who need to nurse or change diapers or whatever, care for a crying, unhappy kid or sleepy kid. And, and that's what we did. And it was funny because it took about six to eight weeks for a group of women 
to corner me after church and sit me down and confront me and say, Pastor Carl, this is wrong that we don't have a nursery. So this lady's taking first service and this lady's taking second service and, and we're going to rotate once a month and this lady's going to take care of it being kept clean and this one's going to do the scale. They basically had created a nursery ministry in revolt. And, and, and I laughed internally because I thought, do they think I'm going to say no? You know, <laughs> I, I'm like, thank you. But the not having a nursery created the need. Before, when I was just twisting arms and asking and asking, the need was, perception was, well, if I don't do it, someone else will do it. And now they all understood that if no one does it, there ain't going to be a nursery. Um, and so sometimes it's making those those hard calls. I mean, I've, I've known leaders who have done a children's church once a month and said, I can't staff weekly. Well, we're going to have to do it once a month. First Sundays of the month is going to be a children's service. And the other three weeks, the parents, the kids are in with their parents and the parents are trying to correct them and trying to keep the device happy. And, and, and eventually they go, you know what? I'd serve once a month if my, if my child could actually be learning in an age-appropriate environment. And, and I could focus on the sermon. So we've got we've to do that. Well, what's next? Unless you've got something to add to that. process is um, take a look at your numbers. Not just for one week, but pull six months worth. Yeah. And, see. and then our church, we go by the average of 10. So if there's 14, 15 kids on an average attendance in a class, we look at starting a new class and splitting the class. Yeah. Or if a number's tanking in a class, it's going to give you a quick assessment on how a volunteer's doing or not doing before the gossip channel hits you. Yeah. And it's an easy way to kind of sit and process and see how things are going by glancing at the numbers. Yeah. Yeah, it's important to, uh, to deal with real needs, real numbers, real situations, and um, and not try to force something for some external um, motivation. So you've you've uh, decided to protect yourself. You've started with prayer, and then you've decided I am not going to kill myself for this. I'm going to be healthy. My family's going to be healthy. Um, I've assessed and processed what the needs are. Now it's time to plan. All right, what do you do, Stanley? You sit down to plan. What do you do? When I sit down and plan, uh, I've already processed what the real needs are. I come with what that looks like. I come with a job description so I can talk to them and say, here's X, Y, and Z, what I'm asking for. Then when they don't hit X, Y, and Z, when they're when they're there in the job and say, hey, we talked about this, and it becomes a coaching deal at that point, yeah. and we're on the same page. Um, and then see what I want the ministry to not look like now, but plan for what I want it to look like down the road as well. So I'm yeah. not saying, okay, I've got three people right now. Well, what happens if... 100 people came to you and said, hey, I want to serve. Do you have a spot for them all? What would that look like? Could you contain that many volunteers? Yeah, I remember, uh, I can't remember who it was, but some Kidman workshop I was in, he said, you know, you need two volunteers. What if 20 volunteered on Sunday? W would you know how to process them quickly? So a lot of it, I mean, and I've we've got it on Kidology, part of our booster packs last year were templates for job descriptions um, Stanley, in the last podcast, if you go to that podcast 96, his children's ministry manuals link there. You can download it. I'm sure it's an older version and you've updated since then. Um, but it could be a great template. So we've got to have both that triage plan, but you need to have that long-term plan. Cause if you go to someone and say, look, we're really hurting right now. We need someone. Here's what we're doing right now. And I need someone that will serve every week for four weeks, but here's where we're headed. Because no one wants to volunteer in a triage permanently. 
But if they understand this is the short-term goal, but here's where we're headed, and as the staff grows, as the team grows, um, we're going to be moving in a different direction. You might get people to step up to a bigger role if they know it's temporary. You know, I've always heard it said uh, in kids' ministry, the only way out is death or dishonor, right? So people <laughs> are afraid to volunteer because they think they're going to get stuck in the kids' ministry. So we need to upfront yeah. say, look, would you give me six weeks? Would you serve once a week, every for six weeks? At the end of the six weeks, um, I'll have others step up. Well, at the end of the six weeks, they may say, I'm enjoying this. Sign me up for another six weeks. Um, but if they don't, and you and if they say, well, you don't have some, don't worry about it. I asked you for six weeks. Um, God will provide. It's God's ministry. Um, the next time you go to ask them to do something, they're going to say yes, because you've you've proven that you're trustworthy. And you care. And you care about them. Exactly. That's a great point. Um, another thing to plan for in this planning deal is manageable tension. Ooh, explain that. I like the sound of that. Okay. Here's an example, but it can go across the board. Um, we've got the best nursery coordinator director volunteer in the universe. I couldn't think of anybody better. But she has stuck in her mind, no matter how much you've tried to teach her or train her, every baby needs to be held. So there needs to be one volunteer for every baby in the nursery. Not the case. Yeah. But she needs It's a manageable tension. We know there's going to be a retiring point sometime. But all the other benefits she brings to the table, it's a manageable tension. So maybe you have a couple of holes that need to be filled and you can't fill them. Don't fill them with the wrong spot to create tension. Have manageable tension. Combine classes. Do what you need to to fulfill that at that point in time. Yeah, and part of that's understanding that every volunteer is not going to be the ideal. Everyone's not going to be perfect. We're going to backtrack background check and make sure they're safe um, and there's no issues there but our our standard doesn't always need to be the, the max the the perfect there can be some ebb and flow because we always have to remember it's not just about getting volunteers to minister to the kids our volunteers are our ministry too and we're growing them encouraging them they're learning and they're not what's that and they're not getting paid yeah, and they're not getting paid, and so we have to really appreciate them. So you you literally need to have two plans. Here's here's what I need to do now, this Sunday, ne the next you know month out, and then here's where I'm headed. So that when you're recruiting, you're showing both of these plans to people, and then it's time to promote it. And promotion has got to be positive. I try really hard <laughs> to never use the word need. Um, it, and it's hard not to, and it slips out sometimes, but, um, yeah. I got to preach in big church a couple weeks ago, actually an interview with my pastor and I'll post the link in the show notes. But one of the things I emphasized is that I need, I, I want parents to be a part of their child's church experience. And that's the phrase I'm always using. Even last Sunday, as we're needing some more volunteers, our kids church is growing and we want to increase the number of volunteers in there. I can't walk down the pickup line saying, hey, we need more help in kids' church. That scares parents away. You know, I, I mentioned in the sermon, I don't have to recruit people that feel gifted and called to kids' ministry and that are skilled. They come to me. They're new to the church. They say, hey, I used to do kids' church at my last church, you know. So I don't actually need to recruit those kind of people. Well, who I want are the people who can just show up and be helpful. Um, and they're scared unless I just say, hey, I'm looking for parents who will who will serve once a month 
just to be a part of their kids' church experience. So when they come home talking about Gus or a game, you have a context. And I've gotten several volunteers just from a little slip of paper with my phone number, uh, my personal cell, and it just says, text you know, this number, count me in, so you can be a part of your kids' church experience. And people are responding to that that would not respond if I said, man, it's getting a little nuts in there. Uh, we've doubled attendance in the last year, and we need more help. Um, so we got to promote it. What do you do to promote your openings in a positive, friendly way? Um, there, there's a big promotion where you do it in front of people. There's the one-on-one. When I when I get down to it and I'm stuck in the triage plant that right now I've got to fix it, and I'm out of everything I know to go through, I first go to the Sunday school class roles, and I find the kids' parents that aren't serving anywhere. Yeah. I go to them and kind of say, hey, would you mind serving? Or I go to the teachers and go, y'all have more friends than I do. Who would you like to serve with? Yeah. If you could pick any of your friends in here to serve with, who would just be the ideal candidate? Um, I'm looking for another person helping children's church, and I found this guy. He's phenomenal, but everybody wants him. The choir wants him. The adults want him. But I got his wife to serve in special needs ministry, and she's in kids zone with us. And she's going to her husband saying, you're in the wrong spot. Stanley's been right. He's still praying for you. You need to come back to kids zone. <laughs> that's awesome. Even this past, I said, it's time. And that's all I said. And he his head went down and says, I know. Yeah. And so he's about to step forward. But it's not being a bully and it's being patient and going through that triage plan of, okay, know where your needs are, finding out different ways to get them there than other avenues of people you might know. And sometimes it's just uh, being bold to ask. Sometimes you we, we kind of want them to initiate you know, we've done the flyers, we've done the announcements, we've done the videos, but some people are just waiting to be asked, and um, and they will not volunteer until you ask. And there's something about whether it's the the pastor or if you're a director, I don't care what your title is, um, it's that top person. And when you ask, that's powerful. Um, and you're also right that that horizontal recruiting. Um, people kind of expect us to be asking, but when, if you can, in fact, last year, and I'll link it in the show notes, one of the recruiting tools that we put on Kidology was a fun flyer that said, join me. And you put one of those little blower things on it and maybe tie a balloon. And I gave those to my volunteers to give to a friend and say, I want you all to invite at least one person to serve with you in kids ministry. Um, because that that's powerful. Because then they're not doing their job. They're they're doing something optional by asking people to come with them. This happened last week, Carl. We had the trainers told you about the potato head party. <laughs> and I said, who's coming to the party today? And I had about four volunteers say, what party? I said, the one today. They said, oh, you mean the training? Their heads went down. Uh, I said, we're not having a, we're having a party. And everybody's attitude changed. By the time it came time for 4 o'clock, I had people call and say, how come I wasn't invited to the party? And they thought this huge party was happening, and it was, but it was a teacher training. That's a great idea to have a children's ministry party once a quarter, whenever you do it, and you can do Mm -hmm. some training at it, but you make it fun. Exactly. I love that. That, You can't get more positive than that. And the the last thing I want to mention um, goes along with the asking with Thanksgiving is not to forget to, to praise, to praise the Lord, to praise your volunteers. So often we're so focused on what we don't have that we miss what we do have. 
and um, and we've got to be celebrating volunteers. My um, EC director, who serves along with me every week, she features a volunteer on social media, and she's actually rotating all through all the volunteers of the whole church. Um, but every couple of weeks, she's pestering me, Kate Carl, I need a picture, I need a description, um, because we celebrate and praise our great volunteers. And when people see that and they read that, they go, well, I want that to be me. Like we all love uh, some accolades and some praise. And that that's not bad, um, you know, to, to just appreciate being celebrated and being thanked. Um, and so we got to, we, and when we get a new volunteer, broadcast it, email all the parents and say, you won't believe this. The best thing happened this week. I got a new volunteer. Um, this is Bob. He's going to be serving once a month for one hour and helping make our kids church amazing. And, and that doesn't have an ask in it, but it does make them go, Oh, um, maybe I should serve once a month. You know, what do you do to praise your volunteers? I had a party. I had uh, yeah. <laughs> I had the good bar. No, it's going through. Uh, I praise my volunteers all the time, but I try to spend time with them. I try to send emails and text. I try to call them, find out what's going on. If they have a prayer request that's happening, I follow up on it. But it's just the time and getting to know them. And every time we talk, man, I don't know how to be without you here. You drop my stress level down. Yeah. You're on this team to me, and it makes them feel. It makes them feel a part of the team. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important. Um, we do a prayer huddle on Sunday mornings, and mm -hmm. later I will, I will, I text myself, which sounds funny, uh, but I'll text myself the prayer requests or whatever. And just Sunday morning, I saw one of our volunteers sitting in the lobby early, and I was able to walk up to him and say, "Hey, how'd that job interview go?" And he said, "Ah, oh, I didn't get that job, but I'm, I'm looking at another option." And the fact that that I knew that and remembered that. That's what builds loyalty because they see he's not just a guy who helps me in kids' church. You know, he's someone I care about and that I'm thinking about. Um, and that goes a long ways toward retaining the people that you have because they're, they're part of a family. They're part of a network. Got one more for you. Yeah. Persevere. Oh, that's a good one. You start with the little things and keep doing the little things right, and the little things lead to the big things. So start with the team you have and love on them and praise them and keep in that team, and they're going to help you promote. They're going to help you plan. They'll help you process, and they'll help protect you and the ministry because you care for them. Yep, and in the meantime, persevere, knowing that yes. you are there. Galatians, I think it's is it Galatians 6-7 that says, you know, you will be rewarded if you do not give up. So hang in there, um, avoid the martyr mentality um, that nobody cares about the kids' ministry. Well, God does, and that's why you're there. You're there to be that champion of the Amen. kids' ministry. And time, you know, I've found that sometimes it, I have to be in a ministry for a couple of years before my ask carries more weight because if they've gone through staff, they're kind of wondering, well, how long is he going to be here? And as, as you're there for a while and you persevere, you, you gain trust and it makes it easier to recruit. And every volunteer you bring on becomes a cheerleader for you and they feel invested for you in the ministry. So the longer you're there, the more volunteers come on board that are part of your team. And therefore it's easier if you ask, it usually happens pretty quick. That's awesome. Well, hey, Stanley, thanks for spending this time with me today just to give some practical ideas. 
to pray, to protect, to process, plan, promote, and praise. And then I love persevere. Hey, if you go to kinology.org forward slash recruiting tools, you're going to find a whole page of positive, creative, fun tools that you can use in your ministry. Perhaps one of those will be a help to you as well. But thank you for joining us here on Kidman Talk. Thank you, Carl.